wow, I have a remarkable entrepreneur that every one of you wants to hear today. You know, as entrepreneurs, we're all about really creating value in the marketplace. And we want to create tremendous value in our enlightened self-interest because by doing that, we get to do well and take care of the people we love and the causes that we care about. But there's one ingredient every single one of us as entrepreneurs need, and that's energy, the power of full engagement so that we can make this difference. And to have that energy, we have to have our health. Today, this remarkable entrepreneur, he is pioneering concierge telemedicine. And it's after a, a, you know, decades of experience in really demanding healthcare environments. Sometimes it feels like almost as much as what we have as entrepreneurs, but he was a U.S. Navy chief medical officer. He was a, uh, a physician in a refugee camp. Uh, he's trained in surgery and emer emergency medicine. But what he is, is he's a fellow entrepreneur just like us, but helping us have the energy, the ability to have powerful, full engagement to make the difference with your clients and all those future clients. I'm John Bowen, and we are at AES Nation, all about accelerating your entrepreneurial success. Stay tuned. You definitely want to meet Dan Carlin. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com I am so excited to have you here on AES Nation to share you with the rest of the world. Uh, you are out there making a difference and you know, in full disclosure, I'm one of your clients as well and my wife and I, I just, I see such a, t of really a confidence level that it's making a difference in our ability to be a full engagement. So thank you on both parts. Oh, you're welcome, John. Well, let's, let's dive in, Dan. Yeah, we're gonna talk about concierge telemedicine and one of the things that's going on you know, as entrepreneurs, and this is so important, is we've got to have full energy. I mean, you know, the, the reality is when we have good health, we've got all these dreams and all these aspirations of what we can do. But when we don't have good health, we just have one dream, and it's to get healthy. So we need all the help with all the changes going on in healthcare, you know, here in the States and around the world. There's such opportunity on a longevity front that we can be performing as entrepreneurs for an awful long time if we really enjoy what we're doing, but we've got to stay healthy. And, and Dan, you're a pioneer in this, but what I'd like to do is before we dive into, you know, what is concierge medicine? How is it going to help us to, to fully engage? What I'd love to hear from you is how you got involved in this, because this is not, you know, what most you know, probably when you went to school, medical school, you didn't think of signing up for this, I'm thinking. <laughs> Boy, is that true? Uh, it would be an understatement, John, to say I had a, an unusual path as a young doctor. You know, I, I got a U.S. Navy scholarship for med school, and the Navy has this habit of after your internship, so one year in training, they send you out to the fleet. So in my case, they sent me to USS Mississippi, a guided missile nuclear cruiser, 
And for two years, I took care of 600 guys, and our primary role was to find and identify lock on Russian submarines. This was the, the height of the Cold War. But boy, I look back on it now and say, I was so lucky because, and most doctors, you know, you, you pretty much proceed from, you know, med school to internship to residency to fellowship. It's a very proscribed path. And in my case, the path just stopped one day. And the next day, I was on the deck of a big gray warship. And I lived on that ship for two years, and it was an extraordinary experience. It gave me a lot of time to think about what I was doing with my life as a doctor. And ultimately, I, I, uh, I guess I expressed a little bit of personal choice or freedom. I decided to take it to a sabbatical year, and I was a refugee camp physician uh, in Afghanistan during the war with the Russians in the late 80s. So, in fact, Charlie Wilson's missiles came in the summer I lived on the border there. And uh, it was, it was an, they had an obvious impact, you can imagine. But it, these were kind of formative experiences. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm doing the best I can to keep people alive. But people were still dying of my ignorance, meaning I was a generally trained physician. But from time to time, I needed a much higher level of expertise. And where I lived, you couldn't exactly call for it. You know, there were no phone lines out on, you know, in the Khyber Pass. So this stuck in the back of my mind. I eventually came home to the US and I went to Columbia and did emergency medicine because frankly, that's where I sort of felt that I fit at that point in life. I was at that for about five years and then I got it into my head to start a medical practice for ships uh, in faraway places. And that was the company that became World Clinic. It was just very interesting journey. Uh, I, with no business experience at all, I wrote a business plan. Um, in fact, I wrote 17 drafts of this business plan in 1998. I got it funded. Uh, we opened the doors. We hit our first sales milestone, and the tech crash uh, happened in April of 2000, and we were left for dead. Uh, by by July, we were left for dead, and that's when my education really started. Yeah. No. There's uh, a you know one of the things that is so important is. You know, most of us get into business because we're good technicians. We're good at something. I came in as a financial advisor. Yeah. You came in as a physician. And then, you know, when we, you know, in some cases as we have success and we're doing this and we want to scale up, we're kind of the accidental CEO. And sometimes the best thing that could happen is we can start during one of these crises. It, it's ugly. It creates all kinds of stories, but it, it really allows us to build a great foundation and to get clarity yeah. because we have no choice. We have limited resources. We have no access to capital hardly at all. And, you know, now we're, we're going ahead and, you know, how can we move ahead? But, you know, one of the things, Dan, that I, I'm so impressed, uh, you know, with, what you've accomplished at World Clinic, you know, a CEO, founder, and, and, and pioneering this concierge telemedicine. And, and, and as the, uh, uh, you know, the whole healthcare has switched uh, here in the States with, you know, I'll go with Obamacare. I'm going to be state specific. I know I apologize for those, uh, you know, people listening outside of the U.S., but, you know, all the areas are having healthcare challenges. But, you know, having access to really high quality healthcare, um, you know, that for entrepreneurs, for successful business owners, this is something that's kind of scary. And you're, you're pioneering, 
you know, one of the solutions. Maybe let's describe a little bit yeah. what concierge medicine is. Sure. So in my case, uh, to your point, John, it's all about access, right? And when I originally envisioned World Clinic, I thought that the healthcare systems of the United States would understand immediately how valuable telemedicine or connected care was going to be, that there'd be a whole new layer of care to prevent illness, to provide quick access. And that there was a, a terrible truth, which is they couldn't have cared less. Uh, hospitals and healthcare systems are driven by third-party re you know, reimbursement codes and insurance companies. So they're not terribly interested in preventing disasters because the billing and revenue model is built around treating disasters. I flipped that model on its head and said, that's, that's not good medicine, guys. Let, look at all the other industries, banking, retail sales, even buying a car. They've all adopted connecting technologies to create an easier process. So that was my vision. So here, here's what it looks like nowadays. I run a virtual global emergency room. Uh, we put an app on, the, on all of our members' uh, phones, and it, it ensures that they're gonna speak to an emergency physician in about 35 seconds. And the physician on duty has all their medical records in front of them. Um, and most of our patients actually have a small emergency prescription medical kit. And the idea was, if you've got the doctor and you've got this little kit uh, with life-saving medicines and conventional you know, antibiotics, you can immediately treat the issue, slow it down if it's a crisis. Um, and then once you've really got it defined and maybe you've delivered an early, some early treatment, then you can escalate it if you need be. So there was for me, a big challenge of consolidating all of the medical resources in the world into a database. And not just the ones who said they were good, but the ones that were actually credentialed. And this was, this became World Clinic. And um, like, as I said, we had no market among conventional uh, citizens, but the high net worth crowd, the affluent, uh, affluent folks, global travelers, the road warriors, corporate road warriors, they understood instantly what I was offering, which was a medical solution to this highly mobile person whose life and time were extraordinarily valuable, not, not just to themselves, but to their families and to these huge empires, corporations that they were running. So uh, they were the early adopters. Well, and it's and it's yeah. I'm so glad you're blazing this trail because when I I look at this and uh, I, I'm gonna make it a little bit personal. The uh, I had a great general practitioner who was an internist cardiologist at Stanford, and he a very successful individual. And uh, he ended up uh, about the same age I am. I'm 61, and he. Uh, went ahead and said, you know, John, I'm, I'm kind of tired of dealing with all this stuff. I'm going to just continue yeah. teaching. And he was a managing partner of one of the, the, uh, the major clinics there in, in Silicon Valley. And I would go to him for my executive physical. And, and it was like, whoa, what do I do? And just sorting through the doctors. And, you know, I've had my, both my wife and I have had the privilege of being in, you know, really relatively good health, no major issues. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we need new doctors and finding them and then building those relationships, bringing uh, areas together. And, I, and my wife's a little older than I am. And so she's just qualified for Medicare. 
And all of a sudden, there's some doctors that don't want to take that and getting access. So, I mean, Dan, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about this is, you know, how, you know, you're integrated. It's not kind of a standalone. It's, it's integrated in the healthcare, you know, the whole delivery model. You've got to deal with the, the challenges of yeah. what it is today. But maybe you can explain, because I want to come back to how, you know, you're, you've helped me. But, in, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to sell World Clinic or anything like that. What I, I want to do is I want people to be aware of the alternatives, particularly business owners who are, you know, running really hard. We have limited time. We're, we're very profitable and we have options and these options are significant. Right. Sure. So for most people, the, the vast majority of us have a doctor assigned through our insurance plan that can be hit or miss. Then there's a subset of citizens who have the means to enroll in a concierge physician practice. Uh, and that can be a great solution if you're not moving around a lot and your life is pretty much nine to five and your lifestyle will accommodate conventional business hours. For the folks we take care of, they are almost two standard deviations away from what we'd consider normalcy in terms of lifestyle. They're 24-hour-a-day people. They're almost in constant motion. And in some cases, they're extremely time-pressured. So what they really want is someone to say, how serious is this problem? Okay, if it's not serious, can you facilitate the journey? And that's where you and I have been, obviously. But our system has become so complex and so obstinate and so difficult to navigate. If you ask me what is you know, 50% of our value, well, I'd say, sure, it's, it's a physician and a care team that, that's going to deliver medicine. But now, as healthcare has gotten more complex, it's our ability to navigate the system, which, you know, for the record, as an emergency physician, you're always navigating the system. You're always trying to you know, figure out the call schedules and who knows who and trying to make things happen fast. So we had a built-in skill set. Mm -hmm. And now we're building the infor informatics base behind it. So I know your insurance. I know who takes your insurance. And I match that up against, well, who is the best physician for, you know, um, breast cancer? Who is the best reconstructive surgeon for, you know, post-radiation mastectomy or prostate cancer or heart disease? So it's it's a lot of matching up what you've got in, you know, uh, in terms of insurance, what you want in terms of quality of the doctors, um, and then finally making the connection happen in a timely fashion. So it's a hell of a lot of work, um, but it's getting well, easier. You, for you us. make it look easy, though, Dan, at least <laughs> in our conversations. Right, let me go back to our example, a personal one. So. I ended up going with a local concierge group, um, and you know I have a great general practitioner uh, that's a specialist in you know, wh what we were looking for. But what what was interesting is um, my wife had some knee challenges and uh, recently, and and he made a recommendation to an orthopedic surgeon, um, considered a very good one in the area. She met. And, you know, and prescribe some invasive surgery, you know, minor, but, you know, a little scary. And as all surgery should be. And the, um, having the ability to have someone, you know, whatever concierge group, and, and this group was really just focused on a local, and it's kind of, it's, it's the nice thing is you have, you're buying access. You know, I've got the, by general practitioner's cell phone, I can pretty much meet with them in a day and all that. 
but I wanted a higher level service for my wife and to just really make sure. And Dan, that's where you know, your organization, I'm going to say organizations like yours really come in because um, yeah. I was concerned because my uh, wife was on Medicare that, you know, we might, you know, some of the doctors that are going to be really talented aren't going to necessarily take her. And, you know, how do we get a top tier second opinion? And, and I'm a pretty well connected guy, but not in healthcare. <laughs> I found out, <laughs> and uh, you know, because I think this is you know this is something that's being repeated all the time. The power of second opinions. I mean, we're we're big believers in on the financial side. Um, maybe you know, share kind of you know a little um, of the experience of helping others. You know where you're making a difference as, you know, life, nobody gets out of life unscarred and stuff happens. And, you know, sometimes it happens when you're traveling, okay, which is complicates it tremendously. Sometimes it's even local, but how do you navigate that? Because, you know, I mean, I can Google search and find doctors and everything else, but, you know, uh, we were blown away with the quality that you put us in front of. Okay, fair enough. So. So you had a problem where you thought you had a solution, but you actually had a bigger problem, which is, is the solution for my wife the right solution? And so now, and you should be concerned because there's a lot of conflict of interest in medicine now. The hospital is putting a lot of pressure on surgeons in particular to do surgery because it generates revenue for the hospital. But sometimes the surgery is appropriate, sometimes it's not. So the problem is, you need to know, is it appropriate and is it right, is it real? In my world, in World Clinic, we're completely outside of the conventional hospital medical center world. So we're completely objective. And our methodology is very simple. You know, when we have a specific problem, um, we start working the connections we have across the United States to find the right physician. And we do this navigation process on a physician to physician basis. So for example, um, we recently had a case of a breast reconstruction and I had to speak to an oncologist at Yale and they were, the oncologist was wonderful. And I said, so the next step now, we're done with the cancer journey. We're now in the reconstruction journey. Who do you, who's there? And he named three or four physicians. And I said, no, no, I'm not interested in the list. Who would this have been for your wife, your sister, your mom? And you know, John, that's a very short list. I love that because, and that, that's what it felt like with the one, the, uh, uh, the woman that you recommended for my wife. And, uh, you know, it's, this is something, you know, as we're having more success as entrepreneurs and in the importance of our energy, you know, making these kinds of investments, you know, we, we, we do so much due diligence on our strategic partners, our vendors and all that. And, 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 I, and we leave healthcare I mean, I know I found myself doing this, leaving it to our insurance companies. Right. And, you know, and it, they're, um, you know, we're on an assembly line. And, it, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And boy, the value of asking that question, be physician to physician without the conflict of interest, who would you take your spouse to right. is so valuable. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, the sad truth, John, is no one is really on your side. Uh, when you start a healthcare journey, particularly a complex one, there's a, a lot of other agendas in play. And I, I think that's where we have a lot of value um, or add a lot of value. We're, we sort of quality check things. Um, and then if we find someone really terrific, we do, we do send them, you know, 
a significant number of patients, particularly in the big capital cities of the United States. But equally, if we have a patient who's had a bad experience, our, our model is so tight, follow-up's absolutely critical. If we find a physician that's maybe not a good communicator or is abrupt with the patient or doesn't make time to, you know, doesn't make time to really tell our patient what just happened, that, that guy, it's usually a guy, not always, uh, but that physician gets struck from our list and there's no more business coming their way. So we actually have a little leverage with these folks because uh, we are sending them a unique clientele, obviously, um, and they're typically a clientele that's expecting quality, great customer service, great communication. And when they don't get it, it reflects negatively on us, so we make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, and I, and I, I find it invaluable, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to share you with uh, our audience, Dan, is that, I mean, you know, health to me, you know, one of the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a good friend of mine is Peter Diamandis, uh, and he has a program sure. on human longevity uh, company. And he's working very hard with you know some of the most uh, senior genetic research people to help us all live a high quality life to a hundred. And I'm, I know every one of us is cheering him and others like him on. You know, this is a disease that we all have is aging, and I want to have a long productive life. And and you know, didn't know, I mean, we're all becoming more conscious of this, but didn't know this was available. And t tell me how you're using technology. I mean, this is one of the challenges in healthcare right now is technology uh, is just kind of, I mean, it's mandated. Uh, right. and, and it's not necessarily, man. you know, big government solving technology challenges is probably not the right solution. I, I think all entrepreneurs, we could all agree on that. Yeah. But how oh are you using technology to ensure better outcome for your clients slash patients? Sure, sure. So sort of a three-part solution. So part one is uh, I ended up building a very, very complex software platform that connects all the resources in a healthcare system from obviously our virtual emergency room all the way out to the Quest lab store, what its hours are, can I make an appointment for my patient to get blood work done, e-prescribing, in, uh, and interfacing with other hospital systems. So it's a ton of stuff, but that platform enables a lot of this to happen quickly. So that's kind of part one. Part two is, is that we're now in getting involved in the world of monitors where we have, uh, we have such a high retention rate of our patients, and I've been at this for 16 years, my patients, like me, have grown old. I, I started this when I was 39. I'm 57 now, right? So they're acquiring the diseases of aging like hypertension, adult onset diabetes, um, atrial fibrillation, and now there's this very rapidly emerging market of devices that talk to smartphones, and they capture the data point, the blood pressure, the cardiac rhythm, the blood sugar, whatever, and they transmit it to guys like me. And I've integrated that into the, our platform, and we write management rules so that if, if you send me a, a blood pressure reading that's, say, critically high, you get a phone call within about 35 seconds. Uh, on the other hand, if it's, if it's a good value or I'm just monitoring a condition, I've logged the fact that you're inside compliance and you're on track. And when you're on track, honestly, John, you just live a hell of a lot longer. If your blood pressure is well controlled, you're going to get a decade of extra life. So that's the second part. And then the third part is keeping track of the stuff that's emerging. And one of the blessings of my early adopters were these high net worth individuals. These are folks who are constantly tracking 
the latest and the greatest in everything. And they were the folks that turned the switch on for us, for example, to look at genomic science very, very seriously. Now, it's still immature, but we now are at a point where we've genomically mapped a handful of our patients because genetically they were at high risk for certain disease states. And in one case, we found a patient who had a very, very significant marker that required now a calendared surveillance of their pancreas, their prostate, and their gallbladder. I don't want to get into it real details, but again, I'm going to add 10 years to this person's life because this cancer risk is never going to sneak up on them. We're yeah. always going to be six months ahead of it, right? So it's a little bit infrastructure. It's a little bit device in the patient. And then it's a little bit look at their genome and keep an eye on the cutting edge therapies and technology. So when they ask you, hey, seriously, is this the best therapy for me right now? You want to say in good faith. Either yes or no, but you want to make sure it's based in truth and you really you really have an understanding of what's going on. Um, I write the health column for Worth Magazine and I have a very, uh, uh, what's I, I'm trying to think of the nice word for it. Uh, my my uh, editor is a dictator uh, in the sense he always wants to know what's on the horizon. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a blessing uh, for our patients and my knowledge base. It's a curse because, boy, you got to do a lot of research about what's on the horizon. But the net effect is, you know, we were tipped off to the genomic science long before the markets were uh, stem cells. We're starting to use a lot of stem cells in certain therapies now. So um, it's kind of a long answer, but. Well, you know. it's, a, it's an important one, Dan, because what I'm thinking about, you know, the, the, the blessing of 10 years of additional, you know, not 10 years of life in a nursing home, but 10 years of a high yeah. quality life. I mean, this is, you know, right. for entrepreneurs and particularly for those of us who, you know, really love what we're doing. Um, you know, we're in business not just for more business. We're in business to support the quality of life that we want for those that we love and the causes we care about. And this is going to just make such a huge difference. Uh, I don't think people realize that. You know, I want to go a little different tack and go into the business part of it uh, here. Sure. And I want to look at the key drivers of success and and talk about it. You know what? Uh, I was looking at uh, one of our mutual friends, Russ Allen Prince, uh, interviewed you for a Forbes article, and uh, Russ uh, wrote down you know four things that people, you know, your type of business has to have. And he was, and this was coming from you. So I'd like you to touch on each of these, you know, a client centered mindset, uh, the efficient operation, the appropriate financing and targeted business development. So I, I think we kind of done the client mindset. We've already covered that. Cause I mean, you, you, you know, if we haven't, I hope I have, cause I mean, it's that whole client pathing that you're around to really you know, when life intrudes, but also when life doesn't intrude, you're there, you know, kind of right. making sure things are moving smoothly. You've talked about operations a bit. I, I'm wondering about, you know, the, the capital intensity and, you know, the, the targeted business development, who you're right for, if we could touch on those two. Sure, sure. So let, we'll just talk about operations for a second. So the promise is, in my world, because uh, we're all emergency physicians, is to solve any problem 24 hours a day. Sometimes it's a minor problem like food poisoning, and you're in Bali, and you open up your little world clinic kit, and I, I treat you with the stuff that makes you stop vomiting. 
I, I wish I had had, I wasn't a member when I was in Puerto Rico at a six star hotel and got food poisoning the night, at oh, night yeah. and had to yeah, deliver an 8, an 8 a.m. speech the next morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this is, I mean, this is life happens and didn't know I do carry my little kid around now. So I, I will be making that call if that happens again, Dad. And we want you to. But so, so operationally, that's, you know, that's our promise. A little thing, a big thing the best quality and care. And as I mentioned before, we built this extraordinary infrastructure that's really helping a lot. Um, let me talk a little, can I talk, jump to kind of the revenue model or the business yes. of the business? Yeah. yeah, let's do that. All right, so it's been an interesting journey for me. Um, as I mentioned, the early adopters were extremely high net worth families. And our original market was the family office space. And that remains pretty much one of our strongest markets. About three or four years ago, very interesting, one of our families hired my company down into their portfolio companies to partner with the security firms that were you know, protecting their executives. And the, and the thinking was very straightforward. They literally came to me and said, Dan, look, I got 22 people scattered around the world um, spending a fortune on security to protect them. I want you to take over their health care. And that was a transformative moment for us because that is a very large market. It's very scalable market. Um, there's a, a finite number of identified, you know, distribution channel type partners in, in security, uh, personal security, for instance. So that was a moment where I realized, hey, guys, you know, we, we sort of built the first working model with a very demanding clientele of high net worth families. Um, and now we're in a market where it's possible to really scale, to move from the customized solution to an excellent one, you know, ge not generics too weak a word, but a, a really good personal solution that has enclosures around it, meaning I'm never going to have to be uh, travel to Jamaica to train the island managers in your personal and private residence, but rather my company will be on call to your corporate security officer or the CFO to deal with a situation where there's been a medical crisis with the executive. So that's been an interesting transition because now we're, we used to be just the on-call doctor guys. Now we're, we've, I guess, metamorphosized into a pretty powerful corporate risk management tool. And the risk is a, the loss, unanticipated loss of an executive. And our, our job is to make sure that never happens. So it's a, we're having a lot of fun with that because it's a big market. Well, and it's, it's a huge opportunity. And I, I, I'm hoping you don't lose any of our family executives as well along the way. And, you know, and it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, this is one where there's so alignment because, you know, we, we spend all this money, you know, certainly on, I used to be in sports and entertainment. We had a huge uh, security budget. And, and quite honestly, we didn't do this What the concierge healthcare was not as big. Uh, this is sure. back in the uh, late 90s, uh, early 2000. Sure. And uh, what a missed opportunity because I, I know this would have been one of the uh, uh, biggest areas. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on, Dan. Uh, let, let me go to um, a segment you know, on resources. I'm gonna pull up your website and I'd like you to comment you know, kind of on the business and you know, how they can, you know, really explore whether they're right for you and you're right for them. Sure, sure. That's a great, thank you. That's a great question. So what are, what are the criteria uh, for being a candidate patient or candidate member? Um, well, one is the ultimate criteria is the value of your time, okay, to your, um, because that is what 
we make things happen so quickly. So if you're a time pressured individual whose time is worth a fortune, we're a good fit for you. Part one. Part two is if you're in a situation where you want to aggressively manage your health risk, whatever age you are, it could be 35, it could be 95, but you want someone to step in and say, look, I, I don't ever want to die. I can't, I can't promise that, but I can sure as, sure as heck prevent the usual culprits from taking your life too early. So that's kind of the other criteria. And then I would say to, to any family advisor, security officer, you know, even booking agent, um, if this person, if, the, if their sickness represents a catastrophic economic loss, you should think about us. And for example, um, we take care of a bunch of rock and rollers. Uh, and they're, every year they're going on tour and we take care of the band. Uh, in some cases, the extended family of the band. And that, believe me, that's an interesting melange of people. Um, but we get the tour schedule and we, we're, you know, they've got our kits. And in some cases, the tour manager has a big box. And we're always one city ahead of them. So, you know, this morning they're in Calgary packing up. Later tonight, you know, they may be down in Edmonton for the next show. And we're, we're obviously always on call, but we've already kind of preloaded the docks in Edmonton. Um, we have an interesting um, mix of a couple celebrity-type movie star people. And again, just, you know, when they get sick or they have a medical condition, they need all confidentiality, they need speed, and they need the best possible outcome because their physical presence is their income. You know, it's that's that's how they make their living. So those are kind of the the three criteria, you know, and as it breaks down, like I said, high net worth families, uh, celebrities and performers, and now this whole new world of uh, corporate risk management for the executive teams and the road warriors. And in some cases, we, we're on call to the whole company because the company feels very strongly they have an, an egalitarian ethos and every employee may not have a, one of our kits and they may not travel to Timbuktu or Calgary, but nevertheless, the, fam, the corporation said, look, uh, we got a medical problem. We want World Clinic to solve it to its, to its kind of optimal outcome. So, no, it's, it's great, Dan. And, you know, this is why I wanted to uh, share you with, uh, you know, my fellow entrepreneurs, because it, it is something that is so important. You know, I'm going to encourage everybody, you know, if you're driving and listening to this or if you're watching it, you can always go to, you know, above me. I have AESNation.com and we'll have the transcript, the show notes. And I want to encourage, uh, you know, we're so many entrepreneurs. I mean, I know on health, for example, I'm, if there was a pill that you could give me, Dan, that I wouldn't have to exercise, I'd be the first guy to take it. I, I just, uh, I love going out and doing things, but have absolutely no desire to exercise. So I hire a trainer. The trainer comes in the morning two to three times a week, you know, when I'm in home and and i do exercise and you know and, and he keeps the routine and so on and we have you know all these different people most of us hire for our life to help and if you're not doing that and you're like me you should you want to create this structure well one of the most important things is health and i just encourage yeah. everyone to really take some time and step back and use the criteria that uh, Dan was talking about and assess your own family situation, your business, and and the impact. You know, as we're all making more and more money, as we have more success delivering more value to the marketplace, 
you know, we have a responsibility not only to the marketplace, not only to our teammates, but to you know, all the, the uh, you know, stakeholders, including our families, to keep ourselves healthy. And boy, what a great thing to do. Dan, uh, thank you again. And I, I wanna encourage everybody to take action on this, to have a plan that really is gonna keep them healthy and fully engaged in making a difference in the world. Right. Thank you, John. And, and John, I couldn't agree more with you. The most common mistake I see with entrepreneurs is they pour everything into the business. They have their liquidity exit event and they're ready to party, ready to go, uh, but they've neglected their health. And now, you know, health is inevitable and it sneaks up on them. So if you want to make those golden years or post exit years golden, take care of your health now. Don't don't prioritize it to the bottom of the list. Well, and the, the example I always bring up, and I see this over and over again, is you know, we go out racing and we trade our youth for money. And then when we're yeah. old, we're buying our youth back. You know, let's do it all <laughs> along the way. Let's go out and make a difference. Wish you all a best of success. Your, your future clients and all these stakeholders, particularly your family, they're counting on you. Don't let them down. Wish you the best exceptional remarkable breakthroughs aesnation.com